Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Hey, Redeeming Hope Church. Uh, my name is Matt Schalt, and your pastors, uh, Joshua and Rachel, have asked me to do a message today for you. Really excited to be here over uh, video for you guys. I love your pastors. We actually had our assessment together years ago before planting both of our churches, and so what a journey it's been, and just excited to, again, be friends with your pastors and watch them on the journey, as well as uh, them encouraging us in our our journey as well. So we both planted right before COVID, which is arguably one of the worst times in human history to plant a church. Uh, but hey, give yourselves a big hand because you are still here. Uh, we're still around. God is good. He's been faithful. And uh, man, the mission, the mission is before us. So a little bit about me before I jump in today's message as we talk about Grace, your pastor asked me to kind of talk about some concepts of, of God's goodness and God's grace and excited to do that today. But uh, a little bit about me, uh, my wife and I, my wife's name is Alyssa. We've been married 17 years. We have four beautiful children. In uh, 2020, we found out that we were pregnant with twins. And so they came early 2021. And so we have a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and two twins, a little boy and a little girl. So we believe in Jesus and coffee. Can I get an amen? We have a lot of coffee flowing in our veins, uh, but we're excited to uh, to raise these kids. It's really a lot of fun, a lot of joy, and never never a dull moment. And we pastor City Lift Church, which is in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And so if you know anybody in the Fort Lauderdale area, hey, send them, send them our way. We have a lot of fun. Um, we relocated through the whole pandemic and, you know, found a new space and a new home and just been really grateful for what God has done. And he's he's been faithful as we just journeyed this whole thing. So so anyway, a little bit about us. Uh, been in ministry 17 years as well. Uh, we got married and went into full-time ministry the same year and uh, just been kind of doing uh, pastoral ministry on and off, some youth ministry, traveled five years full-time. So we've done a little bit of everything now. I've uh, been in the church world uh, quite a bit, but I still love Jesus. I still love his bride. Uh, I love building God's church, and I just think the best days for uh, us as the church are ahead. I think God's doing a fresh thing. I think COVID's been a reset button, but I think God's doing a brand new thing, and I think our best days are still yet to to be ahead of us. So there's many, many, many people to reach. So man, we need you. We we need you to get through this season. There are people to reach on the other side of this. And so be encouraged, be hope-filled today. Uh, get excited about what God wants to do in your future. I, I really think there's so much for us uh, as a church to, to do and ground to take as we as we go forward. Uh, so today I, I wanted to just open up our Bibles and I wanna look at Galatians uh, chapter 1, the book of Galatians, Paul is writing uh, to the area of Galatia, the churches that are in the area of Galatia, and a little background, they had received Christ, uh, but then some people had come had come in, some Judaizers had come in and started adding things uh, to the gospel. They started adding things to the message of uh, Christ being enough for salvation. And so Paul's writing in chapter 1, and it, it's funny, is is you look at a lot of the different letters that Paul wrote, 
he he's starting off with, hey, you're doing this well, you're doing this well. But in Galatians, he just kind of gets right into it because uh, there's such such a fervency to his to his message. And so I want to look at Galatians chapter one, and then I want us to talk about um, what is grace. And I want to I want to give you an analogy that uh, I had read in a book by an amazing pastor in the Philippines, actually, that has always helped me understand this concept of grace, because it's easy to throw around the terms of uh, mercy, justice, grace. What do they all mean exactly? And, and this analogy helps bring a little clarity to to what God's actually done, what he's actually given us in grace. Uh, so let's let's read real quick here, Galatians chapter one. And Paul is saying, I, Paul, and my companions in faith here send greetings to the Galatian churches. My authority for writing to you does not come from any popular vote, of the people, nor does it come through the appointment of some human higher ups. It comes directly from Jesus, the Messiah, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. I'm God commissioned, he says. So I greet you with the great words grace and peace. We know the meaning of those words because Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil world and we're in by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God's plan is that we all experience that rescue. Glory to God forever. Oh, yes. And he goes on to say, I can't believe your fickleness, how easily you've turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ by embracing a variant message. And so, man, our message is that, that Christ, that his life, his work, his sacrifice is enough. It's, it's more than enough uh, for God to forgive us of our sins, to give us new life, to restore our relationship with him. And so here he's writing the churches and say, well, you've, you've actually turned traitor. Uh, you, you've turned your back on this thing. And, and what is it? It is this grace that is in Jesus Christ. So let me give you this analogy uh, and follow me for the next few minutes here as, as we talk. Um, what, what has God actually given us? What is this, this grace that he's given us? And hopefully it helps you understand the grace of God a little bit more. So in our analogy, let's pretend that you work in Nashville. I know Nashville is probably the closest, biggest city to you. Uh, I, you know, again, I'm here in South Florida, so you know, really from uh, Fort uh, Boca Raton kind of area, the Fort Myers, just all the way on down. It's just city, 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 Fort Lauderdale, Miami. We're just one massive city squished between the Everglades and, and the ocean down here. So I think Nashville is the closest one for you guys. So let's just imagine our story that Man, you went to the University of Tennessee, you got a degree in accounting or finance, and now you work for a great company downtown Nashville at one of the high rises, and, and you're, you're doing well. You're out of the gate, you're out of college. Uh, you, you find somebody, you fall in love, you decide to get married, you're, you're both working hard, and man, life's, life's off to a great start. You're working on the 11th floor, got a good little accounting job. Uh, you're driving a, a, you know, let's just say a Toyota Camry or whatever, right? You just, you just live in the life. You got a cute little two bedroom apartment and just getting started. Well, as the years go on, you know, you have kids, you've got more responsibilities. You're trying to take care of your parents. Money's getting a little tighter. Inflation is happening. So now you're like, oh man, things are getting tight. You know, it's getting a little rough. I need some more money. And now that you've worked up the ladder a little bit, let's say you're on the 14th floor now, and now you're overseeing accounts. And so now you don't really have people directly over you. You've got a little bit more freedom. And so you discover one day a way to siphon a little extra money your way without anybody noticing it at work because now you're kind of the, 
you know, over some of these accounts and no one's really over your shoulder and you feel like you deserve it. You know, you've asked for the raise a couple of times. You don't feel like you're already getting paid well enough. That Toyota camera is, is getting a little, little older and your kids are needing extra clothes and shoes and all that good stuff. And so you, you really kind of feel like you deserve it, right? You've been turned down for that raise. You feel like the boss is being a little stingy anyway. And, and so you decide, you know what? I deserve this. I'm going to go ahead and take some of this extra money. Not a lot, right, at first, but just just enough to make those extra bills, uh, make ends meet, make that extra money. And so you decide to take some extra money. Well, let's just say 10 years goes by. And, and man, every month or every year, you're just siphoning some money, siphoning some money. And you've kind of lost track, actually, of how much money you've, you've actually taken. And so, but life is good, man. You're driving a Tesla now. Come on. You got the four bedroom, uh, house instead of that two bedroom apartment, taking care of the kids, taking care of your parents. You know, you feel like you and your spouse, you know, you're driving, uh, nice cars. You've got the nice clothes on. Life is, life is good. And one day you walk into the office. Usually people are bubbly. They're talking, they're excited, they're expressive. And you walk into the office one day and everyone's quiet. People look at you a little differently. You're feeling not uh, not too weird, but a little little off. Uh, you, you get to your office. You've got the nice big office now in the corner, and you walk in, and you know your secretary is usually there, smiling at you, laughing, waiting for you with a cup of coffee. And this day, they just kind of give you this weird look, and and you're like, man, something something's a little off. And you walk into your office, and someone in a black suit is sitting in your chair, in your office, which is really offensive. And you're pretty upset at first. And you go, excuse me, what are you doing in my chair? Get out of my chair. And they look at you right in the eye and they say, hey, uh, the company has ordered an internal audit. And what we've discovered is that you have been siphoning money from these accounts. And in fact, over the last 10 years, you have stolen a million dollars from this company. We have the emails, we have the bank transfers. Uh, there's no way you're gonna get around this. We, we have proof that you have actually committed this crime and you're gonna go to jail for this crime. In that moment, you go from annoyance and anger to that very deep uh, sinking feeling in your stomach. You're, you wanna talk, your throat is dried up. It's almost like that cotton ball effect in your throat. Your stomach is now in knots. Um, and you want to explain yourself away. You want to say, it's not me. It's you got the wrong person. Uh, you want to try to create some quick, fast lie to get around it. Um, but then they hand you the paperwork. You see the emails, your name is attached to it. They've got the bank transfers. There's no way you're getting out of this. You, you're caught. Uh, in that moment, the officers come in from behind and they handcuff you. They ask you to follow them out the out the office and down the hallway, everybody that you used to laugh with and drink coffee with and talk talk with is now staring at you, wondering what you did wrong, whispering, gossiping about you. And man, you just have that terrible sinking feeling in your stomach. You're like, how? what am I going to do? How is this going to turn out? How am I going to tell my spouse? How am I going to tell my kids? Uh, I'm not going to see my kids. Now, let's just say that the penalty for this is a 20-year sentence in jail. And you start thinking, I'm going to miss their graduation. I'm going to miss the prom. I'm going to miss their wedding. Uh, I'm going to probably miss the birth of my grandkids. What am I? What have I done? What have I done? And so they walk you, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the office and down the hall, and you get ready to go to the main lobby. And they, you're going to walk out of the building and go to jail. 
And uh, on the way out is a, is a man dressed in a suit, and he says, wait a minute, before you, uh, you know, walk them out of the building, the CEO of our company would like to talk to them. And you think, oh man, the last thing that I'm going to get in this company, I'm going to get it chewed out by my CEO, right? They're going to they're gonna scream at me, cuss me out, just, you know, yell at me for stealing a million dollars. And you know you probably deserve it. And so, you know, you're like, this is what's, this is what's coming. So the officers walk you into the elevator. They push the top floor of that building. Let's just say it's on the 50th floor and, you know, up the elevator you go to the 50th floor. And again, your stomach is a knots trying to figure out how to explain this to your spouse. And the elevator dings, the door opens, and the officers escort you uh, out into a big, beautiful, you know, open uh, area and there's offices and there's marble floors and then the de decorations incredible beautiful flat screen TVs everywhere nice big fountain and you're like yo this this is the CEO like level of this thing you know and and uh, it's it's gorgeous and so uh, a, a young man dressed in a very nice suit uh, comes up and looks at the officers and says thank you officers you've you've done your job uh, would you please um, take the handcuffs off. And uh, the officers nod and take the handcuffs off of you. You're a little puzzled, but, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary yet. And um, the CEO begins to approach you from across, across the, the aisleway there. And the CEO comes down. And uh, to your surprise, he's smiling. And you, you think, well, that's a little strange. Uh, why would he be smiling at me? It gets a little bit closer and, and uh, looks at you with a big smile and says, I'm so, so glad I'm finally able to meet you and uh, comes a little closer and puts his arm around you for a moment. You're like, boy, this is weird. I'm about ready to get a knife in my back. You know, like any moment he's going to, he just wants me to drop my guard a little bit and he's going to slap me or, you know, st stick a knife in my back. And, and so he looks at the officers and says, thank you again, officers. You've done your job. You can, you can leave now. Now you're really worried because you're like, oh, he doesn't want the officers here. Uh, this man is about ready to take, take me out. And uh, he looks at another uh, person in a in a wonderful suit and says, "Hey, would you would you go uh, get the uh, get the Armani uh, suit for this this person or the the Armani dress if you're a lady listening today?" And uh, looks at another uh, person dressed in another very beautiful suit and says, "Hey, could you go ahead and prepare the keys that I uh, that I requested?" And uh, and then he says, "Hey, could you go ahead and get their office ready?" Uh, the corner office. Let me let me show you your office, and you begin to look look at him quite puzzled, and you're like, uh, "I'm sorry, you know, sir, I I don't really know if you know who you're talking to, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm I'm the person that just stole the million dollars from you. I I don't I don't know if we're on the same page here. You you might be thinking you have someone else. And the CEO puts his arm around you and walks you to a beautiful office, right? Beautiful uh, computer, flat screen, mahogany desk, gorgeous uh, office, little fountain in there as well, and beautiful glass windows. And, and, uh, and he says, you know, this is your, your new office here. And I, I, know, I know who I'm talking to. And you're like, well, I'm really, really confused. And the CEO says, I'd like to show you something. And walks you to the edge of the window and in your mind you're like this is it he's gonna shove me out this window right now and i'm gonna fall 50 floors to my death this is this is surely surely what's gonna happen right now and the ceo says i'd like you to look down and you you look all the way down 
to the street level. And the CEO says, you, you see that young man there and you see a man in his 30s and he's handcuffed and he's in an orange jumpsuit and uh, the police are putting him in the police car. And he says, I, I want you to see that young man. He goes, that's, that's my son. Uh, he's perfect, perfect kid. Straight A student, uh, you know, wonderful child the whole way through, star, star football player, straight A's, uh, Harvard grad, helped me build this company. Um, in fact, the office we're standing in right now is, is actually, actually his office. Um, and uh, in fact, the Armani suit that we're getting for you is, is actually his, his suit. Um, the keys that we're going to give you are actually the keys to, to his Ferrari, uh, the keys to his helicopter. Um, you know, this is, this is actually his computer that, that you'll be in. And uh, while you will be sitting in his office, uh, he will be serving your, your sentence. He's actually going to serve your jail sentence while you are in in his office and while you're wearing his Armani clothes, uh, he'll be wearing your jumpsuit. And while you'll be free to drive his car, he'll take the handcuffs for you. And in, in that moment, you are completely dumbstruck, you're dumbfounded, you have no idea what to say uh, or what to do. And you still think it's a weird, cruel joke. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense at all to you. And the CEO just says, you know, we are trading places. I'm sending my son for you, and you're going to be taking, taking his place here with me. The story I just shared and the analogy that I just gave you, quite honestly, even sharing it sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Uh, it, it sounds very, very fictitious. The, you know, justice would be, that our accountant, that, that you in the story, that our accountant would go to jail for the sentence. Everybody would agree that when you steal a million dollars from a company, you're siphoning extra money, that that would be wrong. Even if you felt like you deserved the raise, uh, you've stolen. And justice would be you uh, going to jail and serving your sentence. That would be justice. Uh, mercy, mercy would be you uh, not getting what you deserve. So if justice is getting what you deserve, mercy would you not be getting what you deserve. Uh, in our world, mercy would be about the most extreme thing we feel like we could ask for, right? If, if the CEO approached the accountant, approached you and said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I just this once, you know, I'm, I'm going to drop the charges, I'm going to let you get out of here. You've stole the million dollars, but I'm definitely firing you. I, I'm kicking you out of this company. Don't you dare come near here, uh, but I won't press charges. You know, get the blankety blank out of my uh, office. That would be mercy. So if justice is getting what you deserve, uh, then in this case, mercy would be you not getting uh, what you deserve. But grace Grace is not just not getting what you deserve. Grace is gaining what you can never earn or work for. The accountant could never earn or work for the position of sonship. No matter how hard the accountant worked, they would never attain to the position of sonship or daughtership. They would, they would never truly get there. 
I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight that God has not given us justice. God has not given us even just mercy. God has given us grace that we, through Christ, are actually adopted in, that we're brought into a relationship with God for now and for all of eternity. And as wild as the analogy is, let's be honest, what God has done for us is even more wild. That we're not just given a good office and a good car and a good salary. We, we are given heaven for eternity. You know, and let's just pretend for a moment that heaven's average is earth's finest. You know, there are hotels on the earth that are 10,000 a night, 20,000 a night. And let's just say that's heaven's average. You know, the truth is you and I couldn't afford a week in heaven, let alone an eternity in heaven that Jesus has paid for. And even beyond where we get to spend eternity, it's who we get to spend eternity with that we actually get to be in a relationship with the heavenly father that while we deserve the jail sentence, it's in the sacrifice of Christ that we have gained what we could never earn or work for, which is why it's got to be by faith, because you could never be good enough and never work enough to get to sonship, to daughtership, to, to the adoption of this. And so when Paul is talking to the Galatian church, he's like, guys, listen, <clears throat> there's nothing else that, that can be done here. Because when God has given you his best, when God has given you his son, right? Jesus said, he goes, listen, man, I'm, I'm the door to the Father. I'm the way to the Father. There's only one way. You know, heaven has a lot of angels, but it only has one son. And when God has given you his best, when he's given you his son, man, like what else, what else can God do? And Paul's saying, listen, there's nothing you can do, man. There is, there's no circumcision. There's no tradition. There's no rule. There's no work. There's nothing. Your, your efforts, like our, our Bible says, are filthy rags. Like our righteousness, our effort, our work, it's not even going to come close. Even when you are a good accountant, you still can't earn this, the sonship, the daughtership. You, you never gain access to the relationship. You can't work for this kind of stuff. All you can do is receive what God the Father wants to do in your life through his son, Jesus Christ. And so God hasn't given us justice. He hasn't just given us mercy. He's given us grace. And this is why we have to rely on his grace because we could never, ever earn this position. Now, I'm going to close close with this. Um, I, again, I have four kids. Two of them are daughters. Two of them are sons. Um, you know, I, I love you today. I love that you're a part of Redeeming uh, Hope. I, I, I love your pastors. But can I be honest? I'm not going to give you one of my children. Even if I'm your friend, uh, even if you're the greatest human being on the planet, I'm not going to give you one of my children. My children to me uh, are worth a billion dollars, right? They're priceless. I, I don't care. You could give me 20 billion. I still wouldn't give you one of my children. They are utterly priceless to me. Um, but I definitely wouldn't give my children to an enemy. Uh, I wouldn't give my children to an enemy. I wouldn't give them to a good person. I would definitely would not give them to an enemy. The Bible says that while we were still enemies, this is when Christ died for us. This is when God sent Jesus to the earth, that he didn't send Jesus 
for his friends. He sent Jesus for the enemies. God did something for us that we would never do for anyone else. The extreme act of love and grace that God has offered through Christ is um, untouchable. It's, you can't compare it to anything else. Um, you know, it's beyond human, even really recognition. But God gave Jesus for, for you because this is how much you mean to him. And this is the grace of God, gaining what we can never earn or never work for. Hey, I love you. I appreciate our time together. Uh, I hope that this analogy and this scripture helps you understand really what God has done for you, that he's not just giving you the justice, not giving you the mercy, but he's given you grace. Okay. Hey, Redeeming Hope, we love you. Your best days are ahead. We love your pastors. Have an amazing Sunday. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.